and then I bit into a chicken nugget and lost most of a tooth and had emergency dental work to go with it. I had to open a line of credit for that one. That was fun. I'm sorry, what was in this chicken nugget? Chicken. And a tooth. Great. Well. Yeah. So, like, Here, here we are, I guess. Yeah. Oh, it is family friendly. That's the thing I was going to say. No swear words. Okay. <laughs> that is going to take some concentration, but I can do it. everybody, and welcome back to Natural 19, the D&D podcast that isn't perfect, but it's still pretty good. I am here today with a, a good friend and longtime D&D player, uh, Mike Krowicki. Hi, Mike. Hey, what's up? Not too much. How's it going? Y- you know. Great. Yeah, I asked you this when you came in. We had small talk, and it was a good time. And now I'm awkwardly talking to the microphone. Uh, Mike, uh, before we get started into the, the meat and potatoes of this episode, uh, I want to do something I do with most of my guests here, which is just basically ask, uh, how long have you been playing D&D? What was your kind of, uh, when did you get into it? Why did you get into it? So I think my first game of D&D specifically was when 5th edition was a brand new thing. And uh, I had a buddy, Keaton, contacted me and said, hey, so they just dropped a whole new edition. It's supposed to be way simplified and trimmed down. You know, you want to try it out. And you're like, I've I've done other roleplay stuff before. And in fact, I think you were my first tabletop RPG DM Uh, with a Pathfinder game. Mm -hmm. But like, there's a lot that goes into that. There's, There's so much depth there. So to have it a little more simplified and accessible, it's like, yeah, sure, why not? And then we get there and I find out, oh, hey, look, we even found this beautiful character sheet app. So, you know, mm-hmm. being the millennials yeah. we are, oh, we of course, hop on the smartphones and check it out. And it does 80% of the written character work yeah. for you. And, and about how long ago was it, would you say this was? Oh, that was, de- the fifth ed was brand new. Okay. Like brand, brand new. Gotcha, so gotcha. that's got to be like, what is that? 2013, 2014? Maybe uh, older? Sure. Uh, our listeners can feel free to correct us. Just kidding. We have like seven listeners. Yeah, no, I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, so I just always like to kind of get that kind of grounds. Uh, we've played uh, our fair share of Pathfinder and D&D together. Um, mm-hmm. You were actually a part of the same group that had our la- one of our last guests, Seamus. And I believe you now play in a campaign with him. Yep, he's my uh, Sunday DM. That's how I've organized my games right now. I've got Saturday, Sunday, and Tuesday. Yes, excellent. We've yeah, we talked at length about some of the stuff that happened in uh, Sunday game after I left and whatnot. Oh, uh, yeah. So we won't get into that Ooh. again. Uh, but yeah, so we're, we're still kind of within traveling within the inner circles of people I know. Um, if you play D and D, want to be on this podcast? Let me know. But for now, I, I brought you on like to talk about a very specific thing, and that is something I mean, that's part of the unearthed arcana section of D and D. And what unearthed arcana is, for those who don't know, it's kind of play test material for D and D. It's stuff the people who made D and D, Wizards of the Coast, say. You know what? This is a cool thing we thought of. We haven't tested it. It might suck. But if you want to play with it, here are the rules. And some. W- Avoiding mentioning the thing we're actually talking about, uh, let's just talk about some quick unarthur kind of things. First thing that comes to mind for me was, for a long time, Swashbuckler. Mm-hmm. Swashbuckler was a type of rogue that you could play, which is now canonical. They've they've incorporated them real material. What else? What are some other things that? Uh, uh, celestial, kinda... celestial warlock patron. Yes, also made its way into the mainstream, but was for a long time unearthed arcana. Um, it really is. It's nice to see them kind of test them out and then polish them and then throw them up. And there's still some things that are still unearthed arcana, like the the artificer class. It's on its uh, third revision, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's artificer is like trying to incorporate magic and technology together in a fantasy world. It, it's a thing that a lot of people want, and especially people who are fans of Eberron, but 
it's hard to nail down with the way that magic is so intricately crafted into right. fifth ed. So they've gone they've gone through like these these artificers have guns and these ones have mechanical minions. These ones have turrets. Like they they're going through the the ringer with these. Mm-hmm. Hang on, you mentioned uh, Eberron. So yet again, for the people who know a little bit less about what that could possibly mean. Oh yeah, no, I'm. I'll be honest. I don't know a whole lot about Eberron either. I just know it exists. It's a. Uh, if I remember correctly, it's essentially it's more of like the uh, the steampunk dark fantasy pseudo future setting. It's a, written it's a within campaign setting. Was what I was there it is. For. Yeah. Uh, while Dungeons and Dragons has one core rule set, there are many different campaign settings for it, which is another great topic, but not what we came here to discuss. And I'm not going to do the thing I do on literally every episode where I get sidetracked for so long that we don't discuss a thing because <laughs> because Mike, you might be the only person I know qualified to talk about this, and that That's is fair. the Mystic class. Mystics are, and I, I'm about to drop everything I know about mystics, which is not going to take very long, and then you're going to school me. <laughs> um, a mystic is an unarthed arcana class that is essentially the psychic Pokemon of the D&D world. You're not wrong. <laughs> um, so th- there's another class uh, that I compare them to, which is monks. Uh, monks are all about perfection of body, perfection of self, uh, and using martial arts to kick butt. Mystics are more about perfection of mind. Uh, and utilizing their mind to influence the world with psychic powers. So I mentioned, I believe, last time that I don't like mystics. Uh, I don't generally welcome them in my campaigns. I don't think they're balanced or good. A lot of people agree with you. I'm kind of throwing down a gauntlet right now, which I would love for you to pick up. Uh, And the reason I say this is because here's what I know about mystics. Mystics are so versatile that you could run an entire campaign full of eight different players, all mystics, and have them all with a completely different play style. Is that correct? That is correct. Mystics have a 30-plus page rule book just for them. Not quite. 27. 27. Okay, close enough. Very close. Um, to put this in perspective for those who don't own a book and don't necessarily know what the average is, I would say the average class has five to eight pages of rules for them. Some of the longer ones have a little bit longer and some of the shorter ones a little bit less. Barbarians are pretty concise, I think. Here, Here's where the discrepancy in that lies. Most of the classes, uh, take the player's handbook classes, yeah. for example, they're all, you can fit the entirety of them in the book, five five pages max. And the rest is pictures. Well, not not even. The, that includes the pictures. The rest is spells. Because True. all of those, ca- the clerics, the bards, the wizards, the warlocks, they all have their own shared spell list, and mystics don't. I will say that, uh, oh, okay. All right, we'll get into that in a second. I will say that clerics character things a bit longer because of all their domains. Yes, but true. But that is not what we're talking about. So mystics don't have spell lists because mystics don't, quote, cast spells. Yes, it's it's right. kind of viewed as a gray area. Okay, so 30-second elevator pitch. Sell me on the mystic, Mike. Oh, 30-second elevator pitch. Get, Man, sell, I was not prepared. Sell me on the mystic. Let's go. Okay, this is the personification of the phrase mind over matter. If you can dream it, you can be it. If you want enough, it's yours. If you have that egomaniacal characterization that you really want to be, you want to bring that to the table, but the different rule sets all kind of box you into more corner than you'd like, this guy does everything. And does most of it pretty well. If you want to specialize, you can specialize. If you want to branch out, you can absolutely jack of all master of none this thing. It's it's really about focusing down what character you want. Because the class itself gives you all the options. Okay. Cool, that was pretty good. I'm solid, considering I literally did not even warn you what you were going to be doing. Well, that's fair. Uh, Thank you. I, I do a lot of going back and like cutting like uh, like thinking parts out of this. Mm-hmm. I know the last episode we had to like go and like look through a book for some semantic rules and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, so I'll do a lot of pausing to, and, like, editing out. I, I want you guys to know there was literally no editing there. Uh, that was just, like, in the real time, um, which is great. So 
a lot of the things you said, which sound very cool and appealing, are some of the reasons I don't necessarily like them in my games. That's fair. So now again, I'm I'm just kind of going with. I really want to learn more about this mm-hmm. in this case. So with mystics, g- give me a couple of like sample like mystic abilities or like builds you could use that would be unique and interesting to play, and also justified in the world rather than just being I made a thing that's powerful. That's fair. The the allure of power can corrupt any concept. Absolutely. I kind of view mystics, you were comparing them early to Monk, mm-hmm. but I kind of compare them a little more to Warlock. Okay. Aesthetically, they can run very Monk, given the themes built into the subclasses of Mystic. Let's see. Um, pa- paint some abilities, because right now I think we've, we've talked a lot about like, they're that's capable true. of anything, but anything is very broad. Paint some abilities for me. What, what are some abilities that we've got, and how would you utilize them? Let me narrow it down by subclass for you, because I feel yes, like that's a yes, good way go. to organize Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I'm going to start with what the first one that comes to mind, and... It's the first that comes to mind because it's really strong and it's the one I most commonly see utilized, and that is the Order of the Immortals. That sounds like a novel. <laughs> well, the Immortals, uh, if I remember correctly, it's basing that off of the uh, like the, the mythical Chinese army of ancient history. Sure. Um, mythical army of the ancient past. I'm sorry if it's not China. Disclaimer. Um, <laughs> we are completely they, factually accurate here. Don't worry. The Order of the Immortals... And the disciplines associated with them are uh, disciplines for reference. That's what they call their spells, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, so discipline, read, magic. Yes, there you go. Um, uh, and order, read... Subclass. Perfect, great. But, I see, now, now we're talking in simple terms. I love yes, it. Yes, all right. So the subclass, um, the Immortals. Their subclass abilities complement their disciplines, and the disciplines all help them survive. That is the key end all you want to live you want to really just live no matter what <laughs> very good live so good they, they want you to die but now nah, you want to live <laughs> you play an immortal all right so uh they have some abilities um adaptive body all of the mystic disciplines get progressively stronger as your level increases but adaptive body the key, the core concept behind it is adapting damage resistance. Okay. Spent as a reaction or as a bonus action, depending on the specific situation and strength of the ability's use. Sometimes it only lasts for that reaction for that one instance. Sometimes it's until the end of your next turn. And again, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the, my read thing. This is kind of a fun game for me. Read, you think hard and take less damage from certain things. Essentially, yes. <laughs> You, you, you see that your opponent, um, you're fighting this thing that has acid dripping out of its fangs. You're like, oh, I'm going to be taking acid damage. All right. I know that it's going to hit me because my AC is not great. We can get to that in a second. Okay, sure. And I know that that acid's going to mess me up inside with whatever piercing or slashing that it's going to do with its fangs and claws and such. So I think real hard. I, I bend. This is literally bending reality to your will. You want it so bad, it happens. Which I've built plenty of characters off of, and they're very, like, I love building characters with that idea, but I've never thought of them as mystic. It's just kind of something I put into the games. But correct me if I'm wrong, because I know you just made the comment of how their armor class is not great. Can't you also, John Cena, wave your hand in front of your face and will yourself to not be seen by a certain person? Yes. Okay, so, like, <laughs> at that point, what does the armor class even matter? Okay, well, it's not <laughs> It's not as simple as that. They do have to fail a save. Okay, fair enough. Still, I think it's, I think it's just, again. It is pretty great. There's options for any thing get another quick rattle off quiz because we mm-hmm. could again we could do four or five episodes on mystic and not cover everything we can do i'm sure and that's not what we're doing for like uh, mm-hmm. my goal is to make D more accessible and i don't know why i chose this episode because that's not 
This Shrug. Is, uh, but what I do want to do is I want to play a little quiz game where I say, like, a, a power or something I want my mystic to be able to do, and you say the, the first thing you can think of that is an ability the mystic actually has, a discipline that the mystic actually has, mm-hmm. or... Other abilities they have, or so the dis- it actually disciplines are even subsorted themselves. Good, Each good. discipline contains uh, the the reason I say they kind of become more powerful as you level is some of them have raw scaling. You spend more points, it does more stuff. Speaking of points, we literally never discussed psi points. There it is. Instead is of spell slots, thing. it's psi points, which yeah. is where it lends itself to the monk metaphor a lot better. Right, except monks get one key point per level. Yes. So key points being what monks use to be cool and punch things. Um, so by the 20th level, the highest level in Dungeons and Dragons, they have 20 key points. Uh, at level 15, how many? Uh, 60. 60, okay. So there's a bit of an offset there, but there's a higher cost to the abilities, I know that. Exactly. Anyway, I'm so I'm going to name a thing, mm-hmm. and you're going to tell me what cool psi abilities in what disciplines and what orders, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 that a mystic can do to make that happen. I want to punch someone with fire. Ooh, punch them with fire? Expl- explicitly punch them? Eh, I'm, I'm flexible. Okay, tell you what. Uh, you remember Splosions guy from Avatar The Last Airbender? Uh, sure. Yeah, he lit- it, it, was a for- it was a firebender who would literally essentially just... Hmm, and like put his fingers to his forehead and do the, the classic like thought pose and just create an explosion. That's the thing what mystics can do? Yes. What's it called? Mastery of Fire. Okay, Aptly fair enough. enough. I want to slash someone in a half. I'm going to say your best bet's probably Order of the Soul Knife. Uh, is okay. uh, one of the subclasses and level it high enough. All right, well, what is it, like, what's an ability in Order of the Soul Knife I could use to cut someone in half? Uh, literally, Soul Knife. <laughs> okay, I don't know why I asked. It seems pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. That one's, honestly, that's the one I've read the least about Mike, because the disciplines don't... There's Mike, not a lot of them. Mike, I want to fly. Yeah, straight up. No, that's that's a thing. Well, um, <laughs> Mastery of Air. Okay, cool. Uh, teleport? Nomadic arrow, nomadic step. There, okay. There's a whole order of the nomad, lots of teleporting. Uh, invisibility we already covered. Can I make myself very hard to hit? I know you mentioned armor class is a weakness. Are there any armor class raising things? Well, armor class is a weakness inherently because I do believe they need to be unarmored for some of the things to work. But there are a few of the disciplines that do directly affect armor class. Uh, some of them are immortal and some of them not. Okay. This is a good time to break a slightly different thing in disciplines. They have their leveled abilities. They're different... You spend your side points for this effect or that effect within the discipline, but you have an additional feature called a psychic focus, which okay. is essentially you pick one of your disciplines at a time that is like at the forefront of your mind or really the thing you're most focused on. Similar to a spellcaster's concentration. Similar, but not the same because you can't lose it in the same way. Okay. Um, it's essentially a passive setting. Great. Think, you know, Shulk does that thing in the new Super Smash Brothers. Uh, which sure. is basic B, where he like changes modes. Sure. Okay. Well, it's it's kind of like that. Yeah, I, I get the idea. It's, it's a passive setting makes sense. We're good. Right. So so it's a passive setting associated with them. There's there's a few of them that just raw increase your armor class by one or two as a passive setting. I, there's uh, at least one of them does that. There's some of them that there's one of them that lets you kind of transform and get like different adaptations, uh, wings. Literally, gills. On the next question I was going to say, Mike, I want to transform into cool things, and you already covered it. <laughs> Beautiful. I know one of them includes scales, which includes an armor class bonus, and there's one that is essentially mage armor. It's almost literally the spell mage armor, just so, with side points. So this this I think comes back to my general distaste for mystics, which is that I asked for one simple thing to raise my armor class, and you gave me forty five options. Well, it's just not necessary. It depends on how you view. If you're viewing Mystic as your whole build, 
they don't get much in terms of armor class. They get their dex bonus, and for the most part, I don't think they can wear armor. Yeah, but I mean, the same can be said for wizards, and they have roughly one or two spells, and that's enough. That's true. That, that's fair. I guess it, it really it depends on how them, how strongly thematic you want your build to be. I always want my builds to be thematic. Um, well, that's why it's good to have options. Speaking of that, uh, let's, let's travel forward, because mm-hmm. uh, here's what I do like. So I've mentioned I don't like having mystics in my campaigns. Right. And part of that's a bit of a control thing, because I always want to give agency to my players, of course, mm-hmm. but I also want to be able to know what they're capable of. And I feel like with mystic players, they know their characters better than I do. That's okay, to an extent. Because then they can surprise me a little bit. But everyone does. I'm keeping track of a lot of characters. I'm keeping track of one. It makes sense mm-hmm. they know them better. I feel like they don't understand what the, everything they can do. And they feel like they could literally pull a new trick every session and I would not catch up. That said, mm-hmm. uh, I think Mystics and, for this instance, a lot, a lot of other not good or not appealing classes make really interesting NPCs. So that's why I'm going to transfer now here with is thematic stuff is... You guys fought a Mystic on the Sunday game. This is when I used Mystic. This is the only I time I've ever used that. it. You guys fought a Mystic like, as a test. And thematically, it made for a very interesting test because you guys were level like eight? Seven. Seven? Yeah. Uh, and this thing was a level 16 Mystic. Oh. And the goal was not to win. The goal was to wear her down. That's good because we were not going to win that fight. You almost did, actually. Because, and here's what I did is I pretty much had to burn as many side points as she could every single turn. Um, and her whole thing, she used the, uh, the soul knife, actually, which is why I knew that one was a thing, because she was all about, uh, hitting people for 70, 10 damage. Yeah, um, no, that checks out. So she, she, uh, was doing as much as she could to tear you guys to pieces, and it became about survival for you, and then when she ran out of side points, it was her kind of mentor who's like, alright, that's enough, the fight's over. So that fight was always kind of on a timer, unbeknownst to you guys. I gotcha. I wouldn't, that like, that doesn't make for a good player character in my mind, someone who just wants to burn all their side points right away and hit things very, very hard, because that's going to become useless and dangerous very quickly, but I think it made for a really interesting storyline encounter. That's fair. The one counter I have to that is, welcome to Warlock, you get three spell slots ever. Yeah, I know. Warlock is, oh man, I love Warlocks. I... I'm playing one right now. I'm playing several right now. Warlocks, I love them. They're a lot of fun. Warlocks are a lot of fun for the player-DM relationship because you can do a lot of stuff that, like, it forces the game to have agency. Mm-hmm. Um, Celestial Warlock, too, but more less so than anything else, but especially, like, with a fiend-packed warlock. Oh, uh, man. I've, I'm have i going to talk a lot more about one of those later when I have Jake Horner on here. Oh, oh, oh buddy. <laughs> because that, was, that became a whole, literally, month's worth of an adventure because he was a warlock. Very, very cool stuff that I'm always into. All right, I think we've taken a, a dip into Mystic. Mm-hmm. And again, we could go on and on and on about it, but I feel like it's not really in the spirit of everything. But another thing, just really quick before we move on, actually, from this. Please. Is what, what for you, now, you're, you don't, have you ever DM'd? No. No, I have not. So, this is interesting for me because I don't usually have this kind of question, but I'm mm-hmm. curious now, because oftentimes I feel like players have played enough that they would have some cool DM ideas, even if they wouldn't have the desire to execute them what do you think some other cool class or subclass options would be that probably aren't very appealing players but could be super interesting npcs my first thought is ranger rangers are extremely underutilized because they they took in looking at how strong rangers used to be and they wanted to balance that out with the rest of the original 12 and i feel like they overdid it a lot like uh, player's handbook ranger is not mechanically the strongest but it offers things that would be really useful from a narrative standpoint like what 
occasional target damage and target tracking with Hunter's Mark, which other classes have access to, but not a lot will use. Mm -hmm. um, the Animal Companion for multiple viewpoints. Uh, I just feel like it would be an easy kind of thing for them, you know, your players are feeling lost and directionless for your ranger to be, you know, taking watch for the evening and you wake up in the morning and they're gone and they spring out of the woods and say, hey, I found that thing we were looking for or I found tracks that lead this way. I'm nudging the right direction. Exactly. It's cool. And it's cool when you have characters with class features like that that are supposed to feel very knowledgeable about things the players aren't because it lets you really like kind of delve into those features in ways the players might not think to or be able to. Very much so. I like that. Uh, I've never really thought about the ranger aspect of that. Uh, I usually use druid for that purpose. Druid's really good for the nature, but ranger has the cross compatibility yeah. for urban environments as well as natural environments. I also do like rangers as enemies because it's really... There's something... Okay, you, you, you're infiltrating a dungeon. Yeah. You burst into a room and there's a guy with a sword and a shield and a heavy suit of armor. Uh, cool. You know you're going to have a tough fight. He clearly knows his stuff. You Or... You burst into the room and there's a guy with a sword, with two swords, a bow, and a wolf. And they're like, okay. Like, now it's, now there's the action economy balanced out a little bit. You've got an extra player on the field. And, like, they're, like, communicating. Like, I've always liked the, the, I've done this before many times, of they burst in, there's one guy there, and he whistles, and a monster comes in. Because mm -hmm. then there's that connection, and that's really, always really interesting to see. And then there's, like, well, who do we beat first? If we beat the person, does the monster stop? Kind of makes that interesting, too. Honestly, I could see that working with Ranger and Druid. Multiclass them. Just... Yeah. The, the druid is just oh, going to turn into a hookar and summon more. Ang angry druids are scary enemies. Oh, absolutely. Oh, man. I have a druid player right now, uh, one of my, my kid campaigns, who is like, he's very imaginative. And he I feel like every session he asks me a new thing. And he just got the spell Conjure Elemental. Oh, no. And so he was asking about the logistics of it. And he's like, so it takes a minute to cast. I'm like, yeah. He goes, if I'm like, if there's like a fight that we haven't started yet. And like we're like in a cave, and so they don't see us. Can I cast Conjure Element Earth Elemental above them and drop an Earth Elemental on them? Ooh! And like, yeah, dude, you can. That's this kid, this is the same kid who figured out turning into a blue whale and fall damage. It's not. No? It's actually not. No. Dang. Uh, this is this is a guy. Uh, he's he was pretty new to D and D when he started in my group, and he's uh, he just sees things in a creative way. He does. He likes the aesthetic of dropping things on things for sure. Um, well, yeah, who doesn't? But I mean, also, he's always he's, um, it was him and the bard who came up with a, a team combo. They haven't used it yet, but I'm so excited to use it. The bard picked up the spell Polymorph. Okay. And Lots of fun. Let you turn yourself or other people into other things. And he picked up the spell Giant Insects. Uh, I don't know if you know the spell. It lets you turn different amounts of insects into giant versions of themselves, like enlarging them, and you get full control over them. Ooh. So you can, I think it's like uh, five wasps or one scorpion or ten spiders, and you make huh. giant versions of them, which you oh. control. Now, that's it's, it's a cool spell, but you need to have the insects present. But he's the one who said, wait a second. If we polymorph a bad guy into a scorpion, and I cast giant insects on that scorpion, do I then control the bad guy? And I went, yeah, I guess you do. That's brilliant. How that's that's incredible. I love, and I, oh, I'm, they haven't done it yet, but I'm so excited for them oh, to do it. Oh, goodness. I'm very excited for them to use that combo. That's a brilliant, just like, I, druids are scary. <laughs> I love hearing stories about your kid campaigns because they do the thing that I love the most, which is finding really out-of-the-box solutions to everything. Listen, this was the same group that, slipped, that used create water to make an ice toboggan in freezing weather and slam it into a snow elemental. So, like, this... No, that, that's great. That's <laughs> it, amazing. It tracks. Um, 
Alright, well this has been a lot of fun, but uh, I think it's time to do some play some D&D. You want to play some D&D? Sure, hit me. Alright, so um, a quick recap. Uh, where we left off, Fizzle, the dwarf red dragonborn, mm-hmm. uh, after waking up in a mysterious facility, has been going on some uh, wacky adventures to try and escape. He has encountered a couple of things on his way. The first person he encountered uh, is a simply a voice behind another locked door after he melted through his own door with fire breath. Um, but because that's only once per rest, he can't do it again right now. This uh, door, this per- this voice introduced himself as Snork, uh, and Snork, upon learning that Fizzle was a bard, slid him a harmonica, which gave him his instrument. Uh, Fizzle's instruments of choice is anything you can learn quickly. Uh, so, out. slide whistles, harmonicas, things like that. Uh, specifically, mediocre harmonica, because I know harmonica is actually a very difficult instrument to master, mm-hmm. but mediocre harmonica works. It's um, the blues, we can do it. <laughs> so... You met that, and then you encountered a weird person who looked sort of like, dressed sort of like you in weird, simple robes, but with weird black lines running around their eyes. You fought them, defeated them after being stabbed for four damage. You have six hit points left. Oh, good. Uh, You now have their dagger, a torch, your harmonica, and you've met with another voice behind another door who's told you you need to be sanitized, purified, uh, in other words, before he can let you out. And so you don't risk spreading this virus, which you are apparently immune to, but not everyone outside is. This this, uh, voice behind the door did not give you a name. Uh, and you promised Snork you would try to find a way to get him out, but uh, after trying with your harmonica, you learned that Unlock Doors is not a, a musical spell you have right now. Hmm. The spells you do know you have are Vicious Mockery. Okay. That's it. Yeah, um, no, that's, that's so works. if you want to try to cast anything else, you just live your best life, and I'll let you know if it works or not. So where we left off, uh, you're heading down to the depths of the facility, where the, the lights on the walls, the, the torches on the walls have uh, dropped off. There's no light down here, so you do have your own torch. Uh, but you can only see about four, 20 feet in bright light and tw- 40 feet in dim light in front of your face. And you were about to descend the stairs into the darkness. Uh, and that's where we left off, so that's where we'll pick up. So uh, you, Fizzle, are descending the stairs into the darkness. Uh, what do you do? All right, well, let's uh hum a little tune, see if we can't get some light. Okay. Um, and I, I'm, I'm going to attempt to cast the cantrip light. Okay, you uh, hum a little tune your harmonica. And what are you trying to make glow? Light is cast on a certain object. Oh, that's right. Um, why not the harmonica? It's right there. Okay. Uh, and sure enough, your harmonica springs to light, uh, glowing as brightly as the torch, which kind of frees up a hand for you. Are you, can, are you still carrying the torch, or do you want to... May as well. Impromptu weapon. Uh, you have du- you have double light now. You have a uh, harmonica and a torch, and they're both glowing. I'll be honest, I forgot the torch, but let's, let's keep moving. <laughs> that's fine. Um... I'm looking for an empty wall sconce as I go. I know that somewhere in here is a secret door behind a torch and a wall sconce. Alright, go ahead and make a perception check for this torch sconce. Alright, I have no idea what my modifiers are and I don't care. I got them. That's a two! That is a two. Uh, your perception is uh, not great. Uh, your, your wisdom's okay, I think you have a plus two in that, so that's uh, a four. Looking around, you do not see any sort of uh, wall sconce. Uh, you barely see the corridor in front of you, but you do. As you get to the bottom of the stairs and look ahead, um, you see uh, the corridor goes on for about 20 feet. On the right is a kind of generic just wall, like you've seen thus far. Mm-hmm. But uh, to your left is actually a railing, it looks like. Uh, it's a kind of like a metal handrail that, if you were to slip under or over, drops off about five feet down into some sort of uh, kind of dull brown liquid. Um, at the end of the corridor, there is a small set of uh, stairs that leads down into that liquid. And with your uh, glowing harmonica and torch combination, you can see that the this pit of like 20 foot wide liquid goes about 30 feet long before another set of stairs leads up out of it uh, and to a door on the other side. 
Alright, so let's hmm, that does not look like fun. Does it have any sort of smell? It does. The smell is sort of sour is the best way I can describe it. It doesn't Ooh, smell like that. it doesn't smell bad, like it's not it's not like a sewage kind of a thing, but mm. it does just kind of you sniff and it's the kind of thing that furrows your brow a little bit. Like someone mm. just like squeezed a lemon a little bit too close to you. Yeah, don't like that at all. Um, well, this is just... I'm going to chuck the torch into it. Actually, I'm going to go to the end of the corridor. You said there's stairs at the end of the yeah, corridor yeah. into this liquid. Uh-huh. Now I'm, I'm going to lean over the side rail where there's more of this, right? Yeah. And just drop the torch in there, see what happens. Okay, so you lean over and drop the torch. Uh, it hits the liquid, which does ripple pretty readily, so it seems like this is at least water in consistency mm-hmm. as it ripples out. The torch is nearly immediately extinguished as it f- sinks beneath the surface of this uh, liquid, and the ripple spreads out across the entire room, and as it kind of goes back and forth, you see a place where the ripple is disrupted, where there's something sitting sort of near the middle, just beneath the surface. You can't make out what it is, but you can tell, just by the way the water moves, that there is something near the middle of it. Well, that's... uh. I am a bard. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna head down the stairs right to the edge of that liquid. Okay. I, I don't really trust it. I'm not really sure it's water. And uh, I'm gonna play a little tune, and I'm going to attempt to charm it. Okay, I love this. Yep. One second. Uh... Okay. Uh, you play your little charming tune. And a moment passes, and there's no apparent response. You do know that you have the ability to charm things. It's decidedly in your job description. But if this thing is charmed, it's not showing any signs of it. Alright. Oh, you! What's up? The water ripples a bit more, and you see it start to, a bubble start to form as something lifts its form out of this. Uh, it appears almost snake-like in shape. Oh, good. But it appears to be made almost entirely of this strange uh, greenish sludge. Even better! Uh, so this greenish sludge snake rises up. It has a single um, indent where its face should be that uh, betrays maybe the hint of what should be an eye, even though it is just an indent of sludge. And it kind of looks in your direction and slowly starts to approach. I am going to back up. Okay, you quickly uh, stumble up the stairs. Um, wow, um, that's, that's really big. Ah, uh, hmm. <laughs> it is about your size. That's really big. Fair, I thought so. <laughs> uh, is, is it still advancing? Slowly. How slowly? I would say it's probably about a foot per second. I don't know that it can see me. It only barely reacted to sounds. Oh, I probably can't even put it to sleep. Um, dang. <laughs> yeah, I am. No idea what this thing's gonna do. I'm I'm gonna keep backing up. Uh, I'm gonna see if I can bait it into following me. Uh, so are you? You're just trying to. Are you making? Are you like backing up quietly? Or are you like tromping up the stairs? I'm I'm gonna. Oh, uh, you know what? No, I'm gonna be roll out with this. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna mock it viciously. Oi, ugly! Follow me. Okay, it didn't make it saving throw for that one. Ha! Uh, so go ahead as you cast um vicious mockery. Oh, of course, I didn't get a D4 out. I mean, D4s. Half a, half a D8. I don't know. Right. One damage! So it, this thing takes a point of damage. And you, what you notice is, as you are backing up, it actually hadn't diverted its course until you called out, at which point it does turn ever so slightly and move towards you. It seems like it is reacting to sound more than anything else. Oh, oh that's a good thought. Um, Alright, I'm going to look around uh, in the path, uh, like the one of this hallway that th- is there, 
what is, is there anything on the ground at all? Um, looking around, there's a bit of kind of just detritus from like gen- generic like wear and tear over time, like little uh, chips of the wall. Uh, it's metallic, but they're kind of rusted off and giving you little uh, chunks of metal. I'm going to take one and I'm going to chuck it in the opposite direction away from me. Ting! It bounces off the wall on the other side and immediately this thing diverts its path, turning to face the wall instead. All right. Well, time to grab like another piece or two of that, if there's any. And mm-hmm. stealth my way back to the edge and see if I can figure out what this liquid is real okay. quick, but quietly. Um, moving quietly to the edge is not a difficult thing, so I'm not going to make you roll for it. You go to the edge, you have a few more pieces of this metal. Uh, this slime creature has settled on the other side. You get to the edge of the water. What do you do? I'm going to just dip my little finger in it and see if it's going to burn me immediately. Um, it is cold to the touch, but otherwise it is not harmful. It doesn't seem to be anyway. All right. It's well, not immediately harmful. Yeah, no, that's fair. Well... I think the best course of action now... <sighs> I'm not going to like this. Um, I'm going to press to digitate the water around me as much as I can to taste like soup, because I know there's no way I'll keep this out of my face. And slide into the water as quietly as I can. Okay, the water is about four inches deep, so you land pleasantly at the bottom of it without needing to worry about the soup flavor you've just given it. <laughs> um... Go ahead and make a stealth check. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's an eleven. Uh, eleven. Your dex is actually pretty good. You have a plus three on those. Um, nice. You're pretty. You're pretty small and sprightly. Uh, and this thing's perception's not that great. So since you already distracted it with your little chip of metal, it seems too preoccupied with that to worry about you as you cross to the other side of this uh, water. So I'm back up the other stairs. Yeah, you climb up the other set of stairs, oh, and uh, you feel a uh, a, a bloop against your leg. Turning quickly to see what it is, there is seems to be made of the same small the same green material as a slime snake, but it's roughly the size of a baseball. This tiny little green blob that is blooped up against your leg and now rolls backwards and looks up at you with its little indent eye. That's interesting. Um, I don't don't have anything like a pack of any kind, do I? Mm -mm. You got Um, your harmonica, your dagger, your torch. No, you dropped your torch. Just harmonica and dagger. And and a few chunks of metal. I'm going to offer it one. You hold it out, and it, uh, how, so you kind of get low and hold the metal down to it, and it stretches up to grab the metal and kind of sucks it inside, and you watch as the metal slowly dissolves, and it bloops against your foot again, looks up. I, all right, so this time I'm going to tap it, but quietly-ish, I don't want to get the big one's attention. I'm going to try to tap it against against the ground right there and leave it. And see if it goes. For, and while it goes for that, I'm gonna backpedal a little bit up the stairs, try uh, to get away from it. You you get up the stairs, you get away from it, you watch as it goes to the metal, and then looks around, doesn't see you, and surprisingly quickly bloops up after you. And it doesn't actually touch you this time. It just goes within about six inches of you and stops and looks back up. All right. Is there more of this mis- miscellaneous detritus about? Uh, yes, but it seems to be ignoring it. It seems like it only was going after it because you offered it, actually. Huh. I don't have any other food to give it. I am going to just let it follow me for the time being, but kind of keep my eye on it. All right. You head for the next door. Sure enough, it does roll after you, um, chipperly enough, and that's what we're going to have to call it for today. Oi. <laughs> All right. Acquiring pets is scary. <laughs> you, you have acquired a small slime. Uh, great. Oh, no. <laughs> my brain just remembered Terraria. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we are uh, out of time right now, both for recording and also the podcast. But, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. 
Um, so there's a section of this podcast we didn't do because we haven't really had enough yet. We only did it once, which is uh, mm-hmm. actually giving D like advice or answering D and D questions. Um, so if you do happen to have a D and D themed question, if you are a player in a difficult situation or a DM with a difficult player, please feel free to email us at natural nineteen podcast at gmail.com. That is natural one nine podcast at gmail.com. Shoot us all your questions. If you have any ideas for episodes or if you would like to be a guest on this uh, podcast, that is also a place to email us. And that's going to do it for us for this week. But Mike, before we sign off, um, something I do is I try to, at the very end of each episode, ask a D&D themed question to each of my guests. Uh, and in this case, your question is going to be this. Uh, and it, that is, if you could have one feat from the genericist feat list uh, in D&D in real life, Ooh. what feat would you take? Oh, that's a tough one. I mean... The obvious first choice seems like magic initiate because hey, yeah. now I can do magic. Yeah, absolutely. But um, actually, I think I'm a little more boring. I might just take prodigy. What What is prodigy do? It's it might be unearthed arcana. It might be real by this point. I it might have been included Did, in Zathars, but it's it. uh, it lets you take a language, oh my, a Ooh. skill proficiency, and like two other. RP skill related things. See, I now I was with you on Magic Initiate, but now I'm thinking I might take Linguist because you just learn three languages. Yeah, just can you imagine? Oh my! Okay, I can't even imagine. Like I tried thinking about that once, like what languages I would take if I could spontaneously learn three languages, and I'm like, well, what would be the most useful? And I'm like, why does half of my kitchen speak Tagalog and the other half speaks <laughs> Russian? I'm like, none of these are useful uh, to me. Excellent. Well, Mike, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, for my listeners, you'll hear from me again in two weeks. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.